0: Take your Bibles this evening and turn to the Book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, chapter two. In your Bibles this evening, it's quite a prayer. That song that we just sang, "Lord, make me Christ-like, whatever it takes." Did you sing those words tonight? Did those words come out of your mouth? No. Yes or no? Okay. Um, did you pause when you sang them? Yeah, I paused. I, I sang them. They came out of my mouth, and I was pondering. You know you know that our Heavenly Father is absolutely committed to that, whatever it takes to make us like Christ, Christ-like. And, uh, and whom he loves, he chastens many, many times. And he won't ever stop. And he is gentle and he is merciful and gracious. He does it for our good and he does it for his glory. And so as we go through this life, and this isn't what the message is about, but as we go through this life, don't forget my heavenly father is working in my life exactly according to his plan, exactly giving me exactly what I need. Exactly what I need. So the other day... um, One of my children got in trouble um, because I thought they hadn't done what I asked them to do, when in fact they had done what I'd asked them to do, but one of their siblings didn't do what they should have done. And so I had to apologize to that one particular child. You know, earthly daddies make make mistakes many times. We mess up. Um, But our Heavenly Father never, never messes up. So, and there are times in our lives where we wonder if he is messing up, but he never messes up. He makes no mistake. Okay. Now you're in Ruth chapter two, and I really believe in Ruth chapter two, and we're going to look at a mother-in-law a little bit here this evening. And I really believe Naomi thought God had messed up. Okay. But he hadn't. I might ask you this question this evening. Are you a hopeful person? Are you a hopeful? Are you an optimistic? And hope and optimism isn't the same thing. But are you an optimistic person? We could start there. Or do you kind of wake up every day kind of like Eeyore? You know, mm-hmm, it's another day. You know, is that is that your personality? We all have different personalities. But if you're not an Eeyore And maybe, again, optimism is different than being hopeful. Are you a hopeful person? Do you have hope? And as we go through life, there are times in our lives where everything's looking... It's easy to be optimistic because everything's going well. But other times in our lives, it's hard to be optimistic because things are not going well. But for a child of God, whether things are going well or not, in an earthly, temporal sense, we can still be full of hope. And actually assured that everything is going to be right. Everything is going to be right. Uh, We don't find the word hope in Ruth chapter 2, but I can see hope in Naomi. A hope is not something that's shallow. uh, It's not passing. It's not here now, gone tomorrow. It's not a a hope so feeling. I'm just trying to work myself up into being optimistic. That's not hope. It's not built on hope's not built on fantasy. No, I, I'm, if I just believe it, it, it'll be it'll be okay. That's that's not hope. That's called delusion. <laughs> okay, that's not hope. I'm just going to be positive in my thinking. Um, that's not hope. Hope hope has something that is firm that it can rest upon. Hope, in fact, is an inner source of joyful assurance. It's a confidence as we trust God's promises and face the future. Don't have to run away from the future, but face the future with God's help. I can face tomorrow. I can face this week. I can face, and for each of us, that might be a little bit different. For the believer, hope is trusting God's word and his promises as we face the future being in Christ. We're in him. He makes no mistakes. He's working everything out for our good and for his glory. We know that. Not easy sometimes, but there's wonderful hope. You know, if if we find ourselves in this life, even as believers, if we find ourselves in this life listening to the voices of this world, we'll, we'll find ourselves easily discouraged. We'll find ourselves becoming discontent more and more. But if we're listening to the word of God, we'll be encouraged and we'll be actually, we find ourselves to be satisfied. The word of God and the son of God can fully satisfy every single one of us, no matter what age we are, no matter our health, no matter what our marriage is like. True satisfaction only comes in the Lord. The lost world labors, but it is never satisfied. The lost world is saturated with entertainment, but they're never satisfied. They never have genuine hope. The hymn writer Clara Williams wrote this. She wrote, well of water, ever springing, bread of life, so rich and free, untold wealth that never faileth, my redeemer is to me. Hallelujah, she wrote, I have found him whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longings through his blood I now am saved you know for a child of God he is the only one who ever satisfies before we were saved he was the only one who would satisfy many of us in this room believed upon him at the time in the past and we experienced that satisfaction and that contentment and that blessed assurance and hope Some of us, having been saved now for many years, find ourselves looking elsewhere for satisfaction and hope, but the place of satisfaction and hope is the very same source that we first experienced it, and that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at our text, Ruth chapter 2, I'll begin reading in verse number 18. Ruth chapter 2, beginning in verse number 18, and I'll read down through verse number 23. Says this, and she took it up and went into the city. And her mother in law saw what she, Ruth, had gleaned. And she brought forth and gave to her, her mother in law, Naomi, that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother in law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where wottest thou? Where did you work? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother in law with whom she had wrought, and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be, the, be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabitess said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. And so she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean under the end of the barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. Let's pray. Then we're going to look at this passage. Interesting story. Two widows, Naomi, a widow, Ruth, a widow. Naomi's lost everything she has. She's a debtor. Uh, She's broke. Um, She's lost her two sons. She's lost her husband. And she's lost one daughter-in-law, for that matter. She has Ruth. Naomi's a broken woman. And in this passage, she finds hope. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love to us, how faithful you are, how uh, sweet your love is for us, how all-encompassing, how faithful, true. Lord, I thank you for your love, thank you for your faithfulness, pray that you'd speak to us by your word tonight, and Lord, strengthen us in this matter of faith, trusting you and hope, and Lord, like Naomi, um, maybe some of us have been characterized by bitterness and disappointment, and uh, unfulfilled expectations of the past. Maybe some of us have lost much. But Lord, I pray that like Naomi, we would find hope and uh, that we would find the one who gives hope. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I mentioned it, but Naomi is the main one of the main characters in the book of Ruth. Of course, Ruth would probably be the main character. Boaz would have to be close, if not the main character. But Naomi has lost her husband. She's lost both of her sons. She's in debt. And frankly, she's she was destitute at this particular time. And Naomi, in chapter one, had been sharing her bitterness with the women of Bethlehem when they came back to Bethlehem. And she was blaming God, frankly, for her sorrow and for her poverty. Look back to chapter 1 in Ruth, verse number 19. Ruth chapter 1, verse 19. It says this, So they too went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi. And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Have you ever felt as though God is dealing very bitterly with you? You don't ever catch any breaks. Uh, Life is just harder for you than anybody else. I mean, that's where Naomi was. Verse 21, she continues, (laughs) and a bitter person will. Verse 21, she says, I went out full, I left Bethlehem. She's referring to the time when she and her husband and her two sons left Bethlehem. She says, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. And you can see how she's really blaming God here. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Wow. Wow. This is where Naomi had been and not all that far in the past. And you can go back to our text in Ruth chapter 2. When Ruth had asked Naomi for permission to go glean in the fields and they were beggars to a degree. Um, They couldn't they didn't own anything. So they had to just pick up with the leftovers of the fields to to just find food to eat. And Ruth uh, was not quite as. In the doldrums as Naomi was and Ruth, uh, who's this daughter-in-law to Naomi, she comes to Naomi and she asks permission to go into the fields to glean. And when Ruth had asked Naomi that question uh, back in verse number two, Naomi had replied, go, my daughter. You can almost just see her sitting there, her head's down. And Ruth says, "Uh, Naomi, there's this field I'd like to go glean in. And, And Naomi doesn't even hardly look at her. You get the idea and just says, go, just go. In other words, life is that terrible. No hope is what the picture we see here, where Naomi used to be. No hope. Just go. Whatever happens is going to happen. It's completely out of my control. God has allowed this. God has done this. The Almighty has done this and allowed. He's brought me back. He's taken everything. This is my life and this is all I have. And that's kind of where Naomi was. Very bitter. Naomi had hadn't offered Ruth any kinds of encouragement. Why? Because Naomi had lost hope. She was bitter. But now in this passage we hear a new word from the lips of, of Naomi. And we saw it in verse number nineteen. She uses the term blessed, blessed, which means to adore or thank or praise or literally to kneel. And when Naomi saw what Ruth had brought back from gleaning in the fields, which would have been about six to nine gallons of grain, more than most gleaners brought back. Uh, She blessed Boaz, and his name means in him is strength. Boaz is a representation to us of the Lord Jesus Christ. In him is strength. You and I lack strength often, don't we? Weeks come, and they get really busy. Trials come, and they get very intense. Temptations come, and we find ourselves very weak and susceptible. We don't respond the right way. We don't always think the right way. But Boaz is a represent representative to us of the Lord Jesus Christ, and his name means, in him is strength. And so here we have Naomi, and she's praising Boaz's name, who's been so generous to Ruth and telling Ruth to come and glean in my field. Stay close behind this group of men and glean behind them. And then he tells the men, uh, drop extra. Now, no businessman does that. Leave money in the field. (laughs) No, that's not what a farmer does. But this farmer, he's favoring Ruth. God's moving in his heart. He says, drop a little extra here because... I want her well taken care of. And they drop so much, she comes back with six to nine gallons of grain. And when Naomi heard that the man was Boaz, the Bible says in verse 20, the beginning part in our text, that Naomi blessed the Lord. She is kneeling in her heart before the Lord. There's this hope that is rekindled inside of her, a hope that has been gone, that's been lost for a period of time, a, a period of time I don't know how long. So what caused the change in Naomi from being hopeless to being hopeful. And she was full of hope at this point. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 14 says, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Have you ever been heart sick? That's a Bible term. Be heart sick. It's close to being heartbroken. What makes a person heart sick? when they're hopeless, hope deferred, hope that is diverted and keeps being diverted to the point where we're not ever sure we're ever going to make it. Hope deferred, make it the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, that which you long for, that which is needed perhaps in some cases, it is a tree of life. And the change in Naomi came because of a new hope that was springing up within her heart. And that hope was found in a person named Boaz. That's what gave her hope. When she was introduced to the idea, she hadn't even met him yet, but the idea of Boaz. kinsman. We don't know a whole lot about kinsmen. We don't operate that way today. But his name, Boaz, means in him is strength. And Naomi went from having no provisions to having a provider in her, in her mind. She went from having no provisions to having a provider, from having no protection to having a protector, from having no hope to having a guaranteed future. This was a, this, what happened to her this day changed everything for her. And no matter our present situation, I want all of you to know that there's a wonderful future ahead. You know that? No matter what happens, no matter what happens, there's a wonderful future ahead for God's people. Don't put your hope in the wrong resting place. Don't put your hope in a person. Don't put your hope in an outcome. Well, if this happens in my situation, it's going to be all right. No, no, no. If you're a child of God, it is going to be all right. It's going to be great. And there might be some miles to go before you experience that beauty and that rest. But if you're a child of God, it is going to be okay. And you need to have that hope. So I want us to all know that there's a wonderful future. You're not without hope. You have hope. And and we have hope. Why? And I'll give you three reasons that I noticed from this passage. First of all, we have hope because of who Jesus Christ is to us. Look at verses 19 and 20 in the passage. Verses 19 and 20 of Ruth, chapter two, it says in verse 19. And her mother-in-law said unto her, where hast thou gleaned today and where wroughtest thou? where did you work? And notice I can't help but noticing here that Ruth is working. OK, she's laboring. She's doing what she was supposed to do. And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And Boaz had taken knowledge of Ruth. He had seen her in her plight. And remember, Boaz represents the Lord. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, The man's name with whom I have wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. The truth is this. Naomi had hope because of who Boaz was. He was a near kinsman. He happened to be very wealthy. He happened to be very influential. And under the Old Testament law, kinsmen could rescue relatives from poverty and give them a new beginning. Think about that. Now, the, this is again not. You're saying you might say it a couple times here as we get going this evening, Seth. You're not speaking English. We don't speak the language of kinsmen. Okay, but. Think with me now, and I'll try to make it simple for us. Under the Old Testament law, the provision that God had made, a kinsman could rescue relatives from poverty and give them a new beginning. And the Lord Jesus Christ does the same for you and for me. And it was not just the love and the kindness of Boaz that gave Naomi confidence. I imagine those feelings could have changed overnight. It was the principle of redemption. It was God's plan that God had written in his word, that gave Naomi the assurance that Boaz would rescue them. In verse number 20, and we read it, Naomi explained to Ruth the idea of the kinsman redeemer. And it was this, as a as a close relative, as a near relative, Boaz could redeem the property that Elimelech, that would be Naomi's husband, his, her deceased husband, had mortgaged when he took his family to Moab. And under the uh, Jewish law, Boaz had first dibs on buying that back and giving it back to Naomi, providing for her, for Ruth. And Naomi wasn't wealthy enough to redeem it. She didn't have the wherewithal to buy the property. And I imagine she knew where it was. Maybe she passed by it and all the memories came back. This is what my husband and I, Elimelech and I, used to have. And this was our farm and this was our land and this was our wealth. And it's all gone. I have no hope. I'm just a beggar. And Naomi wasn't wealthy enough to to buy it back, to pay the debt. But Boaz could buy it back and he could keep it in the family. But there was something else involved as well. The wife of the deceased went with the property. Again, this is not how we operate. You know, when you buy a piece of property, you don't have to look at the fine print. Are there any wives involved here? No. No. Okay, so we don't operate that way today. The kinsman redeemer had to marry her if he so chose to and bring up children bearing the name of his brother, his deceased brother. And the children would then inherit the property and the family name and possessions would continue to be theirs. So God had made a wonderful provision. We're not going to take much time there, but turn back to Deuteronomy chapter twenty five. Deuteronomy chapter 25 you might not have this piece of this passage of scripture memorized Deuteronomy chapter 25 now I'm going to begin reading in verse number five um, I find this it's a little humorous to me but it, it was uh, God was very specific as to what should be done or what could be done with the near kinsman to uh, for a woman who was deceased. Remember, the near kinsman is. So let's say it this way. If I were to pass away, then Nathan, my younger brother, would have the opportunity to marry Cindy. To pay off the property that may not be a bad idea, you know, but my children would retain my name. You get the idea. I'm joking a little. I'm not serious. Right. Deuteronomy chapter twenty five, verse number five. I'll begin there. I'll read down through verse number 10. It says this, If brethren dwell together, and one of them die, and have no child, the wife of the dead shall not marry without a without unto a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go in unto her, and take her to him, to wife, and perform the duty of an husband's brother unto her. And it shall be that the firstborn which she beareth shall succeed, uh, succeed in the name of his brother which is dead, that his name be not put out of Israel. And if the man liked not to take his brother's wife, so he does have an option, why do you think a man would not want to take his brother's wife? Doesn't like her. That's one. We'll just go with that one. There could have been many. But if the man, and I do find this humorous, if the man liked not to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate unto the elders. And that's where a lot of business was transacted. And that's where the elders would gather and talk and discussions would take place. Go on, She's to go to the gate to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuseth to raise up unto his brother a name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. The kinsman, redeemer, in other words. Verse 8. Then the elders of his city shall call him and speak unto him. And if he stand to it, if he doesn't change his mind and say, I like not to take her, then shall his brother's wife come unto him in the presence of the elders and loose his shoe from off his foot and spit in his face. Do we need to have this demonstrated? Scott Pagan, please. No. Okay. And I have to find a woman to do it, of course. Kelly's not here, so we we won't do it tonight. Maybe another time. And spit in his face and shall answer and say, So shall it be done unto that man that will not build up his brother's house. And this would have been a bit of a scene, you can imagine. Verse 10. And his name shall be called in Israel, the house of him that hath his shoe loosed. Okay. There you go. There's your memory passage for the week. Turn back to Ruth, chapter 2. There's more that we could read on that subject. Leviticus 25 speaks of it as well. You know, we're not told how Ruth's deceased husband, Malon, that was Ruth's husband, and he had passed as well. They had no children. We're not told how Ruth's deceased husband, Malon, was connected with his father's property so that Ruth had to be included in the purchase. In short, Boaz had the means and authority to do something about the distress of these two widows. And I'll leave it at that. Boaz had the means, and he had the opportunity to marry Bo to marry Ruth. Okay. He he um, in his name is in him is strength. He was the one who was going to be able to make all that was wrong right. Boaz was who he was, made all the difference. And that's what I want to emphasize to you. And and again, his name is in him is strength. In him is the wherewithal. In him is the ability to make all the difference. And remembering who Christ is causes us to rejoice in hope. Who is Christ? Who is he? Well, he is God. He's not less than God. He is completely God. He is life. He is the way, right? He is the truth. He is the Prince of Peace. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He's the Savior of the world. He is the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one. He is our sustainer. He is eternal. He is holy and good. He is merciful and just. He is gracious. He's the giver of life. He is the healer. Jesus Christ is the one who makes all the difference. No matter the situation, whether it's for salvation from death and hell or in a marriage after we've been saved and lived many years and things have gone the wrong direction. Or for a young person or for someone who's older in life and may feel as though they are all alone And no one knows where they are or who they are or what they're going through. And no one seems to care. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who makes all the difference. So she has hope because of who Boaz was. We have hope because of who Christ is. Secondly, I notice we have hope because of what Christ has done. Because of what Christ has done. And Naomi has hope here in the passage, and you'll see it as I read it. She has hope because of what Boaz had done. This is very important, what he did. Look at verse number 8. Ruth chapter 2, verse number 8. I read down through verse number 16. Verse number 8. What did he done? Well, it says in verse 8, Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Uh, Here's thou not, my daughter, go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Stay close to my household. Verse 9, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have not I charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? So he's protecting her. And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. He's providing for her. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? This is not the main point of this message, but we all could learn something from what I just read. How did she respond to him? She fell on her face, praised him and thanked him. To some degree, she worshipped him. We ought to do the same to our Lord Jesus Christ. When's the last time? When's the last time? We have gotten on our knees, bowed down before the Lord and said, oh, God, thank you so much for noticing me, for knowing who I am, for taking no notice of me and my hardship and my prevail and my agony. And God, thank you so much For knowing where I'm at and providing for me along the way, seeing that I have water to drink, some of the most basic necessities of life, and protecting me as I've gone through. I've been so susceptible as of late, you might say. Thank you for protecting me when I was almost unprotectable. You're the only one who could have protected me. Verse 11, and Boaz answered, and the word answered there, it has it, it, to raise his voice, and said unto her, It is it hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother in law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, the land of your birth, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. And the Lord recompense thy work, and full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings Thou art come to trust. She hadn't always trusted in him. She had come to trust him. We are still coming to trust him. Verse 13, Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like one of thine handmaids. And Boaz said unto her at mealtime, Come thou hither and Eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn. He gave her something to eat, and she did eat, and it was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. And so she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that... She had gleaned, and it was about an ephah, six to nine gallons of barley. You know, Naomi, because of what Boaz had done, has hope. This is not a vain, empty hope. It's not me standing before you here this evening and saying, you know what, I know things are a little rough, or maybe they're really rough, but you know what, you just need to believe that things are going to be better. That's not what I'm telling you to do. This is not an empty hope. This isn't Naomi one day getting up and thinking, you know what? Today's going to be different. It's going to be mind over matter. The power of positive thinking. That's not what's happening here. Not at all. Naomi has hope because of what Boaz has done. And you and I have hope because of what Jesus Christ has done. Boaz took personal interest in Ruth. He showed kindness to her. And when we consider what Christ has done for us, it gives us great hope. What are some of the things that the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us? Well, he's redeemed us. He purchased our pardon. We were guilty. We deserved hell. We deserved eternal punishment for our sins. And yet he pardoned us and it cost Jesus everything. What has he done for us? He's loved us. He died for us. He humbled himself for us. He gave himself for us. He rose from the dead for us. He conquered death and hell and the grave. What has he done for us? Well, he 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 knows us. He's known us. He he's known us in our infirmities. Hebrews four tells us, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What is it that Jesus Christ has done? Well, he's, he knows our frame. He knows our weaknesses. Psalm 103 and verse 14, he says, For he knoweth our frame, our, that is our purpose, our mindset. He remembereth that we are dust. He knows who we are. He knows our failures and our successes. Psalm 139 talks about our downsittings and our uprisings. He knows our fo- thoughts afar of off. He knows what my thoughts are going to be tomorrow. And next week, and if I'm still on this earth 20 years from now, and he, loves, he loves me anyway. And what has he done for us? Well, Christ was and is able to deliver us. Galatians chapter 1 says, "...who gave himself for our sins." that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. So thinking upon what Jesus Christ has done and is doing for us gives us hope. Not just what he has done in the past, but what he is doing today. And it was mentioned already today about the thoughts of of God toward usward and how they are more than can be numbered. Now, how his spirit lives within us, never leaving us, never forsaking us, going with us, going with us through this life, through the highs and lows. However, we may feel he is right there going through with us. And, and, And this is why Naomi has hope, because of what Boaz had done for Ruth. One more truth and we'll move on. We have hope because of who Christ is what he is doing and what he has done, and thirdly and finally, because of what Christ has said. What he has said. Look at verse 21 in the passage. And again, Boaz represents the Lord for us. In verse 21, I read down through verse number 23, it says this. And notice what what Boaz had said. And Ruth the Moabite has said to her mother-in-law, Naomi, She quotes Boaz and she says, he said unto me also, thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. It's very brief, really, what Boaz, what Ruth remembers Boaz saying. Not very long at all, but basically what Bo, what she remembered was this. Boaz said, stay close and I will provide for you. That's the short of it. You stay close and I will provide for you. I'll be to you everything that you need. I'll provide for you in every way you need. You know, Boaz was only a man, but he represents someone who is more than a man. And that is the Lord, the Lord, furios, supreme authority over heaven and earth. Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, promised one of Israel. Naomi has hope. And we see this tremendous change in her spirit from devastation and bitterness, hopelessness to being full of hope. Why? Because of what Boaz had said, you know, we have to remember what our Lord has said to us, his thoughts, his plans for us. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Speaking to the nation of Israel, we need to think about what Jesus has said. It produces hope. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 4, it says this, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, Then he says this, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Why do we have hope of heaven? Because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has said. Because of what he said in his word. In 2 Peter chapter 1, we are told of exceeding great and precious promises that can never fail. And no matter how uh, we may feel today, no matter how difficult our circumstances may be, We can rejoice in hope as we focus our faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. We know what Christ will do because of what he has said. What has he said regarding salvation? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek. And lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Remember what Christ has promised. What has he promised? Eternal life in 1 John 2. It says, and this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. He's promised us his eternal presence. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, he says, let your conversation, the way you live your life, which would be determined By how we're thinking, let your conversation be without covetousness, desiring what we don't have. And there are some of us in this room, no one in their right mind would choose what you have in that area of your life. And yet the word of God says, let the way you live your life be without covetousness. And be content with such things as ye have. Why? For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Christ has promised us wisdom. Many of us in this room are in positions of leadership. And for many of us, it's over in our homes, moms and dads. And there are other, others in this room. You're in positions of leadership. People are looking to you to make right choices. And the fact is, they're going to be affected, maybe more than they even know, by the decisions that we make. And there are many times in our lives as leaders where, in the quietness of our hearts, we wonder why in the world God put us in that position. And why? And I wish he had just put someone else in the position. I'd like to go raise sheep or whatever, you know. And the and God tells us He's provided for us for wisdom. James talks about this in chapter one and verse five. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth which abradeth not, with give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not. He doesn't hold back, and it shall be given him. Christ has promised to pray for us by his Spirit in Romans chapter 8. Christ has promised us victory in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Don't give in to that temptation this week. Look for the way of escape. He's making one. And maybe the way of escape in that moment this week will be that you, for some reason, feel stronger than you have ever before. And you'll think, where did this come from? Could be that. Or maybe you'll just be more busy than you've ever been before in your life and you won't have the opportunity or the energy to engage in that sin and that will be your way of escape there are all kinds of ways of escape that God can use take the way of escape be full of hope god is delivering you it's part of his saving process he's saving you take the way of escape Romans talks about how we are more than conquerors through him that loved us and reminded of one last promise of what God has said. And there are so many more. But Christ wants us to be where he is. And he's prepared a place for us. And we so have studied that so much in John in chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. He right? believe in God, believes, believe also in me In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go, I will come again and bring you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also, will be together again. You see, it's going to be more than okay. And in this life, we're pilgrims, we're passing through. Hey, enjoy what God has provided. And he does give us pleasures in this life to enjoy. All things richly to enjoy, he actually says. But you're a human being. There are going to be ups and downs of this life. It's going to rain, and it's not going to rain sometimes. I'm the just and the unjust. But know this, like Naomi learned, and it's something that we have to learn. We can have hope. And for Naomi, she had hope because who Boaz was, we was. And what Boaz had done and what Boaz had said in those three things changed her perspective on life. Now, at this point, nothing in her life has changed. Everything's the same, but she's gone from being hopeless to being full of hope. You know what? You and me as children of God, we have a lot more than a man named Boaz. We have the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember who he is. Remember who he is. Remember what he has done and what he's doing. And remember, dwell on what he says. Think on these things. When your mind, like mine sometimes, is overwhelmed with things not going according to plan, not content with a situation the way it is or whatever. Let's bring our minds back to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's done and what he has said. Let's pray. Dearly father, I thank you for who you are. Thank you for sending your son to die and to live for us not just to die and to be raised again to live for us, but then to send his spirit, Father, thank you that Christ lives in us. And so, Lord, when my heart is cast down and my soul is cast down and disquieted within me, I pray that I would hope in you. Lord, may this become more and more the discipline of my life. Thank you for suffering long with me as I grow and stumble along. Thank you for your mercy and your grace that you shed upon me daily, multiple, multiple times. Lord, help me to hope in you. I pray for this congregation, your children, your people. We belong to you. And Lord, there are many trials represented within this room and many more i am sure that i am unaware of but you are you are well aware. Lord, you don't want us to be a hopeless people, but you want us to be full of hope in the right person. Lord, may may we be known as men and women of faith. May we be obedient to you. May you bring us through the trials because we hope in Christ, because of Christ. I pray these things in his name. Amen. You are dismissed.